Hello, and welcome to Rethink Games with Scott Novus. Season 1, Episode 5, I'm going to talk about the future of teamwork. One of the things that's happened out of this COVID-19 is that I think everybody in the world has practically become an isolated gamer. We all got sent home and are all told, work from home. Great. Uh, different people are adapting to that at a different rate with different skill sets. But what I want to share with you is what we've learned from the game industry about how to work remotely, because it turns out gamers have been working together in teams remotely for a very long time. One of the things that also falls into that is some work that I've done studying from a set of books uh, around what are the best techniques to create a great high performance team. Some amazing work done by Amy Edmondson, who's got some fantastic TED Talks, outlines that there are four types of team cultures that we end up with, sort of a, a, a generalization of the type of culture or group behavior that becomes a norm. I've put my own spin on these, and what I've seen are the miserable people doing a miserable job that the customers don't like. Now, it would be a cheap shot to go after your typical DMV or large government agency, but there are absolutely companies that have that reputation. If you've talked to anyone who's flown on, say, Spirit Airlines, that feels like a fairly miserable experience that neither the staff nor the customers want to be there. Let's just get this thing over with. Most companies tend to fall in that mediocre middle, and I tend to think of you know, walk into your bank or your phone company. Uh, I happened to be at a bank branch a few months ago and you could walk into a bank branch and it turns out the daughter of a neighbor of ours had grown up, boy kids grow fast, to she was working behind the counter and in, in the middle of the bank we were having a conversation about how there was no future for her at the bank and she was finishing up her degree to go get a job somewhere else so she could do something more interesting. This is in their business. One of their employees is openly having this conversation. No manager, no one else bothered to say anything or do anything about it. Sort of the ambivalence about the work environment, the culture of the bank, all that, that's just squarely mediocre middle. It's like, I don't dislike them. The employees didn't dislike them, but nobody seemed to be very fired up about the work that was happening or the customer experience. A lot of expensive, nice marketing, but as a culture, it seemed mad. Now, the one third culture that fools a lot of people is that admiration for sort of the professional sports teams. They're often very modeled on talent. You hold the word talent all the time. We've got to get talent, the best talent. We've got great talent. The challenge with the talent-driven organization is if you actually take a step back and look at the culture that happens inside of talent-driven organizations, look at the turnover in professional sports or collegiate sports. Most businesses could not tolerate that level of change. And very often what happens is that, yes, there's excellence happening, there's a high level of performance, but there's also a level of fear that can come out of that excellence. Like, is this gonna last? How are people gonna react? On a personal level, I experienced that when my oldest son, his team won their conference championship and we went out to celebrate and he went out with his roommates, no one from the team that he played with. And I was shocked. And I was like, 
what happened? Why aren't you hanging out with the other starters from the baseball team? And he said, playing the games is less than 5% of what we do as a team. And it was a way of him basically saying they're there to do a job, they get their job done, they do their work. And when that coach moved on into the future, I did ask him, say, wow, do you think you'll ever talk to him again? And he said, why would I? And those were natural answers to a culture that basically can treat people like vegetables in a cart. If they go bad, you get rid of them and you get new vegetables. I'm a fan that I believe people are not vegetables and they are capable of much more. So what's the ideal? What are you after? What could your culture be? I tend to think of Pixar. I think that's the gold standard. And what I saw is people that love what they do, love who they work with, and they produce work that their customers cherish. So how do we get there? Well, the thing that was is, is really interesting is Google studied that. That was one of the things that Google did and Charles Duhigg wrote about in his book, Smarter, Faster, Better, is how do you create better teams? And to understand that, you have to understand what holds us back from being on great teams. And it turns out, according to Professor Edmondson's work, it's called impression management. And we're all indoctrinated it into school. And if you followed any of the work by Brene Brown that talks about our avoidance to shame and how to deal with vulnerability, you begin to understand what impression management is all about. Four behaviors drive impression management. You don't wanna look stupid, don't ask questions. You don't wanna look incompetent, do not make a mistake. You don't wanna look intrusive, don't offer ideas. And if you don't wanna look negative, do not critique the status quo. Those turn out to be very effective strategies to avoid public forms of shame and emotional pain. However, there's one cost to that. It cuts you off from learning. Because learning is all about asking questions, trying new things, making mistakes, exploring new ideas, and asking questions about the status quo, saying, is there a better way to do things? We don't, as adults, like to learn in front of others. That is one of the number one things that holds us back. So a phenomenal book by Yuval Harari called Sapiens really dives into how humanity, human beings, we're wired to work together. Primates are wired to work together, but especially sapiens. So it's sort of our default setting is that we want to get along, we want to work in groups. It is a very, very powerful driver for us. And so what the research shows is that if there's three other people in a group, it only takes three more, 80% of us will subordinate our current behavior and beliefs to fit with the group. So what that means is our, we're wired to want to be in the group more than we're wired to want to be right. And that reinforces the impression management. It reinforces this, I want to fit in. And it's, it turns out monkeys will do the same thing. Primates want to be in a tribe. And so even if they have a better way of, let's say, cracking nuts, or they have a better way of you know, harvesting grain or whatever, finding fruit, they'll forget that to fit with the cultural norms of the group they become a part of. We do the same thing. So when you go online, and now you're working online, and you're working remotely, and we lose so many of the tools and the cues and the things that we're used to having to working in groups, it puts even more stress on that impression management. So as we start digging into, and I'm probably gonna have to spend a couple of episodes on this, in fact, it'll probably be a series. There's five things we can do to improve the culture we're in. 
And the good news is that any of us can do them. In fact, one of the most powerful ones, anyone on the team can, can happen. It's really powerful if leaders and managers exhibit these behaviors because they can reinforce and encourage these behaviors. But there's a way to put impression management in its place, to make it safe for people to learn together. And when groups can learn together, they can adapt incredibly quickly. And really what you're talking about is when you make it safe to learn, you make it safe to bond. And when people bond, it develops their three R's. It develops their relatedness, their ability to relate to other people. It develops emotional regulation, so the regulation. And it develops resiliency, your ability to handle shocks and uncertainty. So what are those five magic ingredients? Well, the first one is meaning. You know, is the work meaningful? And that can be a challenge because sometimes not all work is, but if you can find a way to position the work or think about the work in a way that's challenging for you, that can unleash meaning. Human beings like to be challenged, believe it or not. We often get bored if we're not challenged and that becomes its own problem. Secondly, is there a purpose? Like this is one of those great opportunities for every team and every organization to realize that their work makes a difference for someone they care about. If they can understand and have compassion for the people they're helping, it can unleash incredible creativity. I think that I would encourage you to hunt down the Everyone Has a Story video from Chick-fil-A. The Chick-fil-A video does an amazing job of elevating the customer service roles at a Chick-fil-A restaurant to serve people and recognize that every customer that's coming in is a unique individual with a story. And so it transforms making food and working at a fast food restaurant into serving others. So if you can have meaning and purpose, you've created a phenomenal foundation for your team. The next three become really interesting is dependability, because that is the flip side of accountability. If people aren't dependable, they can't be accountable. Secondly, has to do with clarity. Do they understand their role? Do they understand how they participate? And really diving into that sort of clarity of roles and interdependence is something that there's a bunch of tools in that space um, that I can share. And finally, this is sort of the secret ingredient. This is the one that isn't obvious. I call these sort of the culture pizzas if you have your meaning, you've got a great base, a great dough. If you've got purpose, you've got sauce that makes it interesting. If you've got dependability, that's your cheese. The ingredients on top, that clarity of how your team is organized, that's unique for every single team. So I call that the toppings because there's many, many varieties of toppings, but most pizzas have that base, the sauce and the cheese. The last missing ingredient is the heat. And that's the biggest secret of all. How do you create psychological safety? How do you create the feeling that it is safe to ask questions? It's safe to make a mistake. It is safe to idea aid, and it is safe to question the status quo and critique what we're doing to find a better way. So as you're digging into teamwork and you're digging into how to work together, what I wanna share with you are the best practices and the techniques we've used at my companies and the lessons we've learned from gaming that allow people to come together online to not only perform together at a high level, but learn together as a group and continue to improve to achieve excellence and have fun while they're doing it. So I believe the future of teamwork is going to be 
and radically transformed by this mass experiment in remote work. And what I want to do is share with some of the best practices and tools that we've learned from the game industry and deployed at my companies and are supported by science that can help you be a more effective team member while you're working from home. So I'll start digging into that range of tools that we use in my next episode. But I believe that teamwork is about to be radically transformed. And if you're interested, there'll be a series of free webinars I'll be giving. Um, you can reach out through Rebel Events and I'll be posting information on my own blog and I'll try to include those in the show notes. So stay safe out there and remember the obstacle is the opportunity. One of the things about video games that we find is the most interesting parts of the game are where the challenges lie. So I wish you luck and thanks for listening.